got cats, man? Is that a like a little cat palace back there? Oh, you can see that. Yeah, my <laughs> my cat bum is sitting up in the cat tree. You know, being a big cat. <laughs> That's awesome. Xavier Edward Carter, welcome to Artists on Artists. What's up, man? How's it going, Chris? It's going well. It's going well. Um, I'm happy to be able to catch up with you for a moment and just kind of talk about your work and talk about what's going on in your world. You graduated from SMU MFA program. What was that yeah, like? Uh, weird. <laughs> I, I came back to Texas after being gone for a little while. It's my dad's alma mater, my uncle's alma mater. I think my aunt's alma mater too. There's like a lot of family history there. Yeah. And the way that I even ended up applying there, I was a fellow in uh, the Yerba Buena Center for Art in San Francisco. And I ended up meeting Carol Zoe and uh, Jody Yellowfish and Clyde Valentine. They were like, yeah, you should apply. And I was already kind of thinking about it. That was that was the final like, go ahead. I was like, oh, yeah, OK. I, small world, you know, I guess I'll, I'll apply here. Yeah, I got my BSA at Stanford 2010. It's funny, I was a printmaker, and then I ended up doing a lot of like video writing, tech stuff, because I wasn't gonna have those same uh, the access to the same facilities when I got out. So I was like, okay, I need to, I need to open up my world a little bit, and you know, here I am now. <laughs> yeah, it's always been my experience that painters somehow end up becoming sculptors but I don't know how it works in reverse for printmakers to uh, performance art and video but it I mean you're still there's still a lot of layering there so maybe it connects yeah. it's all registration you know getting things lined up the certain ways and then dealing with trying to imagine what it's going to look like the right way but organizing it the wrong way wrong way just like right reverse way. yeah so uh back to your your mfa at smu yeah i found that thesis document that you have which is kind of like a roadmap it feels like to what's going on in your work like you're trying to create something that can give a good point of reference like a bibliography to to what you're doing was that your intention and how did that work as like an official thesis document i think that, that's a that's a correct assessment you know I, I consider myself a transdisciplinary artist i'm mostly concerned about the movement across disciplines since i end up having to do so many things it's like the main concern that i have in working is how at least from a from a discipline standpoint is how things are going to move across different mediums like or when some when it's necessary to make a shift in the form of art to to get the most impact or get the impact that I'm, I'm searching for as a document <laughs> the museum wasn't too happy about it the Meadows Museum wasn't too happy at least the person that received it gave me a dirty look um, <laughs> the my advisors were all like okay cool yeah, this is like, this is what you you should do in this situation. Not really yeah. should do, but like, this is this was a good choice given the circumstances um, where I had other people in my ears saying some other like wild shit that were around there too. And I'm like, no, that's, you completely yeah. missed the 
if you thought that was what it was, then you completely missed the whole point. You're trying to set me up for something that's going to get me get me hurt or get me messed up. So, like, yeah, in in a very traditional place too, because you got to like remember that like SMU is still very much a traditionalist mindset, and everything's very media based, like directly media based, old school ideas around print making, print making, painting, sculpture. It'll be hard pressed to find somewhere that's going to do something radical in that regard so you know but that's yeah. why we push exactly and i i feel like for that kind of structure it has to work for the greatest amount of students so it's all about the, <laughs> the machine and efficiency and not about the individual i could go right. on for a whole, whole thing about like how i think they should probably like do things but i think there's a lot of attrition Within two years, the people that are there raising hell are going to be gone. And then, you know, you got new people that'll just be like, oh, yeah. And when you first come in, you don't know what's going on. So you're just like, oh, yeah, let me yeah. do this. And listen to people, you know. Everybody wants to kind of be a good student, at least somewhat. Yeah. I don't have the benefit of an MFA program, but a lot of my peers and colleagues went through MFA programs. I mean, I can see cost-benefit analysis, but in your own um, experience, if you had to go back three years, would you still be um, pushing towards an MFA program or would you do anything differently? Definitely, because I want to teach, you know. I spent seven years outside of school before I came back to get my MFA, and a lot of that was just like figuring out what it was I want to do. Right. I worked as an artist. Uh, I worked in theater. I worked as an intern doing logistics for tech companies. Um, just kind of like organizing my thoughts and never really departing from, you know, how am I going to make my art practice a thing that's going to be sustainable in this world? How can I make it uh, something that puts forth the vision and how can I make it have the longevity? that I wanted to have. Right. And it's not a guarantee, you know, like it's it's the quickest way to get to teaching because most programs, if you're going, if you want to like do some kind of educational thing and you want to teach at a higher level, you're going to need an MFA. Right. Unless you're that like superstar blockbuster artist that's like bursting out of whatever program at their thing, which like, come on. Really, right. that only happens to a few people, and only a certain kind of person really that 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 gels with in like the history of of this shit. Right, and by the time they get to that level, it's like they don't need the program; the program needs them. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. But uh, speaking about that, man, it's um, having lived an experience between. Stanford and SMU. You talk about in your artist statement how you incorporate your your daily life, your everyday into your work. And there's no strong line between like you sitting on this couch interviewing me right or being interviewed right now and you I'm recording in, in your studio. Exactly. I'm audio, you know? So you become the material for your work where is the line and is there a line is everything the art every everything's art i i saw um, an old interview with august wilson he was talking about it um 
like what's the what's the hierarchy in your life of like you know how people are like you know god first family second career third he was like art's the number one thing you know and from there everything else is enveloped in it at least for me that's how i take it like there can't be that divide because ultimately i'm going to be the one getting the scrutiny the objects aren't going to be getting the scrutiny from an outside person. I'm going to be the one to have to answer for them. You know, I'm going to be the one to translate the, the, the tome of what my work is. So my life has to reflect that. And, you know, the whole idea of having some self-determinants and like walking it like you talk it, being the, being the change you want to see in the world, being the crucible for the things that get poured into you. And then these things come out of you. I, I think it's necessary that I have to be in, in all the bits. It may be that my presence is an absence, you know. Um, and a lot of the work that are that are going into the the exhibitions coming up is is very much that kind of lack of self or that self removed from the event. And then the understanding that happens in that respect. So yeah, yeah there's either at least for me, there's there can't be that line. I I haven't lived that way, uh, and I haven't worked as hard as I have to to have that. You know. Yeah. The way you use your relationship to materials, um, my understanding of it is that you don't see the materials as the the sum of their individual parts. You're programming. The materials and transforming in that way transforming them into something else but they have their inherent information they're already embedded with meaning but you're flipping that meaning in the way that you you manipulate the material so how how are you programming the material that you use in your work uh a lot of trying to reduce things down to their base elements i uh think of like sandpaper you know or the kind of like elemental wear and tear that things happen to get things down to just like dust. If I can make everything dust, then I can remake everything, anything into anything, you know? And I get that sense because uh, you also reveal your uh, Native American as well as African-American heritage. And in the history of these cultures is the attention to ritual. And I see yeah. in some of your work, it's like you're breaking it down into like the essential elements, like earth, there's fire, there's water. There's, <laughs> exactly. Spirit exactly. flows through all things. You know, as much science as it is, spirit flows through all of it too. So you got to have reference and like pay respect to all that. But here you're also like, you're actually physically in the work in your performance like you're using your body to interact with these elements in a kind of way that um, reveals ritual and transformation what is the importance of that in in that process the idea of cycles that like the world kind of revolves around these these things that happen and finding breaks in those cycles very much too is, is part of it and looking back at things historically and seeing where there's a chance for revolutionary action 
is is all about analyzing what's happened in the past and trying to kind of avoid that speculative aim of extracting a resource from from those moments rather infusing them with like a human element and yeah. giving them longer life and like a and making them a part of the whole again whereas like a lot of a lot of things seems really disjointed so in order to kind of rectify that it's like you got to break it down to to something that's uh that's fluid again yeah and, and do that then you're you're not going to be able to build anything that's really gonna gonna move because there's no lubrication between that and the world it's just like it just sits stagnant and, you know festers dies or whatever happens to it yeah um talk to me about about jesus jazz man uh these jesus pieces that you've been doing it's uh it's like i i'm getting the you know it's like a cross between gil scott heron sun ra you know there's even like a little bit of arthur jaffa in there you know it it seems like yeah. a cacophony of things but uh and i'm speaking like specifically of the uh a 2018 edit of some of the performances uh, yeah. that you did previously yeah. The first one was easy. It, like everything kind of synced up in a weird way. Like I, I had gotten back from Japan. I had seen uh, some uh, performances around no theater and um, like different religious perform or religious ceremonies. They're involving shrines and kind of thinking about it at the time. I was like, man, there's really nothing like that in the United States. Uh, but then I was in San Francisco and then it happened to be that like on Easter every year there, um, this drag group, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence do this uh, do this festival, this Donkey Jesus contest. And I was like, word, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna try to blow the doors off this. Cause it was also at a time where it was like 2012, you know, world was supposed to be ending, man. Right. And yeah. in San Francisco and being in the scene, you know, there's dwindling population of black people and you know like we we needed a black jesus to like go around and do some shit so was Sound. that the the very first time that you did uh was that before sweet jesus which is another yeah, performance that, that you jesus. did in dallas sweet jesus i did in dallas and i did uh a real short one in new york that was real cold <laughs> and I, like everything, my whole like thing fell apart. Uh, oh shit! Part so that was cool. And I had I was slated to do it in Paris in 2020 for Easter, but then everything kind of right. froze with COVID. So you know, now it gave me a chance to like kind of open up what the ideas are going to be around it, and if I want to do it again, I just I was. The importance of doing it last year was that I was 33, so I was like, okay, I got to do it this year. You know? Right. The literal Jesus year. Let's roll. Let's roll the dice. Let's <laughs> roll the dice. What it's like. Um, I mean, uh, no, there's a lot of ideas. Uh, ideas around consumption of the body. Ideas around consumption of the spirit. Uh, police brutality. Ideas around uh, uh, movement yeah. and kind. Of organizing people in that way are all kind of are all infused in that piece um and 
did it have such a heavy uh, a heavy marker um, in that it's like the story of Christ and like this whole big religious thing that there are millions, billions of people around the world that know what this is, but can't really see the role going to a, a type of person or a black person specifically. Uh, it was just something I wanted to turn on his head. And, you know, shout out to Pope L with the crawl. Everywhere I go, I'm like on my feet. So, you know, I wanted to do something in reference to that. So I, I just walked. Yeah. Really, all, all I do for the pieces is walk around carrying stuff, which is shit what I do every day. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, yeah, that is a layered, uh, like, presence in the world, like, moving around with that cross has so many connotations and references to just, I mean, just the fucking, just the danger inherent in being a black man dressed in regular clothes, not carrying shit versus a naked black man with a cross on R.L. Thornton freeway in Dallas. That was the craziest thing that like, I would get more hassle walking down the street just regular. Like, although there is like a, there's a moment in every time I do the performance where there's a heavy police presence that comes out and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is what I'm doing. And they're like, oh, it's art. Okay, bye. And then I never get bothered again during the whole thing. That's, that's the wildest thing to me. And like <laughs> some of the audio that I have from those performances was like the people that are part of the crew that are observing watching like, oh shit, oh, oh shit, okay, this, is where, <laughs> this is it, this is, can I help right now? This is, and then, they, then everything kind of clears and they're like, oh, oh, word. Yeah. Yeah, that's the power of art. <laughs> it is. I mean, do you think maybe it's part of the fact that it's connected to such an iconic and recognizable symbol of the cross and people because they're they're people i mean i'm sure you've seen but i've seen mugs like carrying crosses from one city to the next and no it it happens every year it happens every year you'll see it on the news you'll hear like on the radio something about someone doing this and i think it's it's particular to being in the United States as well, as much as it is anywhere, that what happens, happens. Yeah. I think if I were to do this on, like, I, for a while, I was like, I need to push this, like, much further. And I was like, I need to, like, walk across the desert carrying this, like, cross some borderlands or, like, go to fucking Jerusalem and carry the cross around and do some shit like that yeah. to really get the, get, like, the full power of it. But I think now I'm more leaning towards how many more, uh, how how can I flip that role around and make it more, um, give it more more power, make it say the thing uh, to a larger group of people. So I think that if I do do it again, it will definitely be outside the U.S. Yeah. It will, I don't think I will carry it. I think I'll... I'll have a performer do it, which will, again, which will like push me in a different direction too, and how I'm working on these performances. From a retrospect, 
having other people do her performances, and that was really powerful. I think. Who is it's this? Something about so nice to open up. Christian Cruz. Christian Cruz, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I keep I keep peeling back layers of this performance from my own perspective. Just the the idea of physically being burdened with the cross. What is that thing made of anyway? Just plywood. Okay. With, uh, paper. So it can burn really easy. I mean, yeah. so much of the story for me is like putting yourself, being able to put yourself in other people's shoes, being able to like take that weight for somebody else, or you know, at least in the in the like in the in the biblical sense, that, you know, this is uh, an act of salvation for all of, all of humanity. So like, who's to say who can step into that role? You know, anybody could. And yeah. anybody can, and unfortunately, anybody can end up in that kind of situation when it comes to uh, to the state and violence. You know, yes, especially of a certain group of people. If you're of like uh, one of the majority of people in the world, really, you know, like if you're uh, a woman or if you're uh, uh, someone that is of colored skin in a, in a predominantly white space, you know, you can end up in, in that same situation for, you know, just being. And then at the end, I know at least in the one that you did in the Bay Area, uh, I'm assuming that's where it was, where you, you burned the cross. And mm -hmm. that act in itself, it's um, this cathartic unburdening, if you will. You're, both physically uh, laying down your burden, but then burning it becomes this other symbol of uh, complete release or transformation. Yeah, yeah, it's that being able to let it go. You know, you don't gotta, you don't have to carry around the tools of your execution. Yeah. Like you can, you can actively destroy the tool of your execution. Yeah, or uh, co-opt the symbol into the thing that has a stronger connection to the person being persecuted. Because, I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's not lost on you the idea of the other ways that crosses are burned and how yeah. that is more of a assertion of white power than a catharsis of the unburdening of a Black man. Yeah, I read the original burning of the cross was like this lighting showing that your your town was under attack your like your your stronghold was being breached in like scotland it's like a, a old school bat symbol being like yo hey we need help <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh hey get the fuck out of here so for me to take that back and be like yo you're gonna need some help <laughs> if yeah. you want to get out of here we're burning all your shit now <laughs> Tell me about the new work, man. I know you have a show coming up at the Aaron Cooley Gallery. Yeah, I got a work on paper show at Aaron Cooley. It makes a drawing painting. So yeah. And sculptural paperwork, you know. Uh, and then I got a show that's running at the same time that the Office of Arts and Culture um, shot me a grant for. Uh, it's like a, a bit of a memorial. My partner passed away in April of last year. Things around loss and kind of this like memorializing. 
yeah. grief is kind of just to, to, to move that energy uh, into another form and like spread it and let people share in those moments, you know, uh, yeah. especially after yeah. being in isolation for like over a year now. It's like, man, the little things of connecting with people are are all wrapped up in, in that show and this idea of love and uh, how uh, love and masculinity and like this kind of transforming of objects into into those essences paying yeah. reference to people that have impact given me it had a lot of impact on my life please accept my condolences man i i had no idea Thank but you. um the works on paper at Aaron Cooley. Those works are all around like ideas of commerce, ideas of ideas of Willy Wonka golden ticket, just like <laughs> running run heavily through these works. It's like that if I can just get this one thing, you know, it's all gonna work out, it's all gonna be what it is. Um, and then I I always play with the titles really heavy to like give people uh, at least just like a step in the direction of where where the work goes because they're all abstract it's like you may look at it and see something immediately but for the most part that's not the thing that it is you know right it's paint it's just paper it's just like mine you recently did a show at the nasher sculpture center for part of their uh nasher public was it it was nasher windows not nasher public yeah nasher windows nasher windows yeah can you talk a little it's bit about same, it? It's in the same family of work. Uh, so I started doing these kind of like paper tapestry pieces. I, wherever I go, places I collect, I collect paper just from anywhere. Gallery shows, museums, things people hand you on the streets, flyers, right. all that stuff. I just keep. And after a while, I'll kind of piece them together into something either based on color valid, colors or like something that makes it a form that speaks to me, then I'll just draw on top of it. I mean, and that, that goes back again to the printmaking days. Right. One of my professors was like, why are you working on this? Like, I was working on butcher paper a lot and like doing big drawings and painting over them, kind of like building up layers of paint and then like painting over them. It was like, so you're, you're taking like the worst paper that we have here and just like <laughs> now it has all this value. Thanks. That's, it's great that you're doing that. And I'm like, yeah, what? Is that not good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I have a big problem, not a problem, but um, this idea of permanence and uh, archival yeah. material and like nothing is permanent, man. And it's a, if I light that shit on fire, it's going to be gone. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, I like the idea of expressing ideas with materials that make sense versus uh, trying to find something that's going to outlive you and be appreciated somewhere else. I mean, it, it, again, it's that, it's that idea of appreciation and like the things that we are excavating from the ground uh the things that really tell you so much about a place are these kind of like accounting things <laughs> in a way yeah like, the pots and pans of uh information yeah 
you're like, oh, this is what this is what people ate with. This is how this is what their cutlery looked like. This is what shit was made of. This is like a token that you can exchange for this thing now. Oh, great. <laughs> and apparently they paid money to this god Apple. What is yeah. Apple? <laughs> a lot of receipts. Like people really, really like these. There was, I guess, the, yeah, Apple was like their primary food source. These humans were very strange. I guess maybe it was a cyanide in it. Um, up to make food, right? Okay. <laughs> Man, uh, I mean, we're all, you know, we've been sort of hunkered down, maybe some of us even before the shutdown and lockdown. But like, how are you spending your days? What, what are you doing? Listening to music. Uh, for a while, I was like cooking really extravagant meals. Not so much now. Uh, yeah. Playing at, since October, I've been working on this, these exhibitions. There's a big ceramic portion of the Ex Ovo show. So that's taking up a lot of time. You know, reading, talking to people that are far away that I would be doing anyway, you know. To uh, check out these shows, man. I'm I'm excited. I think they'll, they're going to present something something unique to, to Dallas for a little while. Yeah. You can go to galleries and you can see artwork by different artists and maybe they'll all be in one meeting. Maybe it'll be an interdisciplinary artist who uses several meetings. Uh, this, at least the XOVO show, feels like a group show and that the elements of it organize themselves in a way that doesn't feel like it's one person. And that was the idea around it, you know, yeah. that it's, it's this broader thing that is happening. And at least for me and in, in being able to put on this show right now is one to pay homage to my friend who's gone, you know, and um, to test the waters on like how I, how I want to move from now on in my practice. When it comes to to like showing my work to to people in that way, you know, I don't yeah. want to be the kind of person just like, oh yeah, I, I completely rely on my ideas to get across in a commercial setting, or I am completely, I don't know, working in a digital space where I'm organizing all these things and like now here's your your product and you can. Trans, you can move those things to any space and they fit in that kind of way. There's a certain specificity to my work that I wanted to have. And this is the first time, at least in Dallas, I've gotten to, to do it this way. So I'm trying to pull out as many stops as I can to, to keep the keep the machine going, you know, and, yeah. and please myself as much as I please my audience. I want to I want to be happy with what I'm making. It may not be like a forever satisfaction, but there's there's got to be that kind of like aha moment for myself that happens, or it's like I didn't do anything. It's uh, that headspace where, you know, like I'm sitting in my studio right now, and you can't see it, but all this shit's lying around. But there, are one or two moments. As a matter of fact, when I was researching your work, um, it had nothing to do with what I was looking at, but uh, it led me <laughs> to think about some problem I needed to solve in my studio. And I think I'm, I'm figuring it out. So <laughs> thank you, man. You're welcome. There you go. <laughs> uh -oh.
Xavier Edward Carter, it's been a pleasure talking with you and thank you for taking the time to be on our little podcast. And you're welcome. It was a pleasure. Hope to meet you in person one of these days. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you again, man, and we'll talk soon. No problem. You're very welcome. Take care. Thank you.